The following message is provided as the views and opinions of the hosts. Some viewers may find these topics controversial. Viewer discretion is advised. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. where that came from. How do I know that? And it turned out that nobody knew it. And I was getting really freaked. With the right conditions, we have an inversion. That's when I first started saying, they don't know. Nobody really knows. This whole thing is a big sham. And what you're seeing here is a we accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. Okay, guys, welcome. Episode number 13, Unearthing 5D Reality. Um, this episode, as you guys can see by the title, we're going into some huge topics here with Marty. And um, we specifically picked Marty Leeds for a, a very big reason. This episode encompasses astrology and encompasses the Bible and encompasses all different religions. Um, and in the first hour, we're really going to kind of harp on Gematria and the idea of um, our, our reality being encoded by numbers and um, how numbers relate to the alphabet and other um, other uh, languages and things like that this this episode um definitely is my favorite episode to date uh, as number 13 that we're going to upload i really like the work that marty is doing i have been just fully diving into everything that he's putting out uh, i like what he's done as far as his work around astrotheology around the bible and gematria around the bible it truly has blown my mind and i think that you guys will feel the exact same way um derek what would you say about this episode well everybody's been asking us about our religious views how do we feel about this or that and in this episode we really do deep dive into these things and we help express how we feel uh, with God being what it is, it's really hard to put words into how we feel about it. And what Marty's done, and he's, he's done an excellent job at bringing these words to life. So that way we could present it in a way that's not offensive to the people who see things a little differently. And at the same time, it's very informative. You're going to learn so much about the world around you. You're going to learn so much about creation and how the stars are a story, a beautiful portrait of our creator that are there for us all to see and for us all to learn from and to observe the truth of our reality. It's it's all written right there. And I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. I just want to ask you to keep an open mind and understand anything that triggers you was it's triggering you for a reason. Yep, 100%. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. I'm not going to take much more of your guys' time because I want you guys to listen to this episode. So um, other than that, um, welcome to episode number 13 with Marty Leeds. If you're trying to find any of the work from Marty, um, his YouTube page is Gnostic Academy. And also we put him in on our affiliate links on our website. So you can just go to the drop down menu and you can go to affiliate links. And I think five or six, somewhere down there, you'll see Gnostic Academy. And um, that's Marty. So um, go check out his stuff. And um, I hope you guys enjoy episode number 13.
Okay, guys, um, me and Derek, obviously, as we explained in the intro, um, we are super excited to have Marty Leeds here with us. Um, before we get into anything, Marty, um, just for everybody that doesn't know who you are or where they can find your work, I, I don't mind detailing right away. Um, where can people find you? Where can people find um, what you're teaching and, and what you're doing? The best place is my website. Uh, that's sort of the central hub, GnosticAcademy.org. And then that links up to pretty much everything else. But I'm on, uh, we do Sunday service every every Sunday, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. And that's uh, that streams from YouTube and Rockfin. And then it goes out to all the other places, um, or it will soon anyway, BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble. I think we're up on Rumble here, so. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. Um, I've been studying your work intensely. I've bought in um, your pie and the English alphabet. Um, I've been reading through that book as well as I'm waiting on a hard cover of, um, your Jesus book. And then I also bought the Bible that you're offering as well with, um, kind of your like, welcome to, um, your church and everything. So for everybody that has no idea who Marty is, he kind of leads, um, a church around Gnosticism. And I a hundred percent, I don't know if Derek would um, consider himself a member. You can let me know, Derek, but I would definitely consider myself a member of his church. And um, that's huge for me to say, like, I don't usually go out and join groups or anything like that, but uh, pretty much everything that I've heard um, Marty say, I, I would fully back and, and second. So um, Derek, I'll let you chime in before I start talking over everything. <laughs> Yeah, welcome in, everybody. First and foremost, I just, like always, want to thank you. But also, I'd like to just ask everybody to keep an open mind and remember if something triggers you that you hear, it, there's a very good chance that, that that triggering was placed in your mind to control you. And to just be open-minded, don't get attackful when you hear the things that you're going to hear in this episode. But yeah, like Caleb, um, I... If I had to put a finger on what I would say my religion is, is Gnostic. I've been Gnostic for a couple years now. I've been trying to learn more and more about it as I can. Uh, Gnosticism's hated. <laughs> it's one of the most hated religions out there, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, in my eyes, that's a sign that you are onto the right thing. Uh, but it's mostly hated by Christians. Uh, and that's not without fault that that happens because Gnosticism kind of goes against what Christianity wants us to believe. So uh, I, I just cannot wait to get to talk to Marty. Marty is an amazing person. I've been watching his videos. Uh, you guys can learn so much from him. Go check out his website. Go support his work and enter your journey onto the truth. Yeah. And can you detail for everybody, what is Gnosticism, Marty? Oh, that's a good question. It's a, it's a good thing to start with because Gnosticism means a lot of different things to a lot of people. Really, um, what, how I teach Gnosticism, Gnosticism and it, like what um, you know, I've really gleaned from a lot of the esoteric writers over the years is that uh, well, I mean, Gnosticism is basically defined as knowledge of spiritual mysteries. So that's essentially it. You know, there's a lot of things that are grafted on or. Um, you know, sort of like a lot of baggage that comes with Gnosticism, like, oh, they think it's, you know, matters evil and that there's a demiurge and this sort of thing. And that just isn't the case, really. Those are have been attributes of Gnostic sects, you know, or groups, you know, in the past. But um, Gnosticism doesn't have that sort of dogmatic approach. And so really Gnosticism is just about the knowledge of spiritual mysteries. So really it's a focus on the mystery school tradition. 
which is basically understanding that, um, you know, uh, I mean, this this goes into the Eleusinian mysteries and the Pythagorean schools and the Egyptian mysteries and that sort of thing. But basically understanding that all of the great traditions, um, when you get past the exoteric of them, esoterically teach and have at the foundations the same sort of teachings, the same sort of spiritual message, the same transcendental truths, you know. And so that's what I teach Gnosticism to mean and, and believe. It, Gnosticism means to know. That's essentially it. It's just knowledge. And so that's really what we seek in this world um, um, is knowledge of, you know, everything, who we are, where we come from, what we're doing here, what's the nature of reality, what's our relationship with God, where do we want to go, what is, you know, what is this place for, what's my purpose in life. And so Gnosticism is just that pursuit of looking for it, you know, and it's a, uh, you know, an honest, genuine pursuit. Um, the other caveat of Gnosticism is it doesn't really, uh, how do you say this? It doesn't, um, it isn't chained to any um, belief system or structure or organized faith or anything like that. So, um, so in that sense, you know, it's, um, it's very loose. You know what I mean? It doesn't have like many, like many of the organized religions and faiths, that sort of thing. They have a liturgy and they have a structure to the church and that sort of thing. It's very organized where um, Gnosticism is really just a conglomeration of um, many different writers, seekers, authors over the years that have written about the nature of reality and went into the, um, the, the occult, the esoteric the symbolic, the astrological, the etymological, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so that's, that's essentially what Gnosticism is. Yeah. yeah it, and it's, it's super interesting when I, I can get lost on your YouTube or your website. I can seriously just get lost in your content. I constantly have to take notes. Um, it, it is a plethora of information and um, I can't believe that more people aren't looking into your work. I feel like it's just a matter of people finding you and understanding um, what you're kind of teaching in, in general. I, I feel very lucky. Um, I was I've never heard of Gnosticism. I'd never even heard the word before. Um, just to give everybody an idea, I, I was raised in Utah. I was raised in a Mormon religion, which is a subsection of Christianity. And I, I'd never even heard of Gnosticism. It's very like I, in a bubble here is how I'd explain here in Utah. So hearing that um, basically my understanding of Gnosticism, just if I were to explain it in a couple short sentences, I would say that it's the study of all religions and how they relate to each other. And again, um, like you said, just wisdom in general around symbolism, um, astrology and how it all connects to the holy scriptures that were left here by our ancestors. So it's really, really cool. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk more about that. But um, more towards the first hour we wanted to focus on um gematria and your book um again pi and the english alphabet i've been reading and is super interesting and you've got a lot of relations on how numbers relate to each other with um words and things like that so um i want to jump into that how did you start in and how did you come to even realize that gematria was something that you needed to pay attention to and study because from when i'm listening to your other um, sermons and your other podcasts that you've been on it sounds like you haven't always even been into math or weren't even always good at math but the moment I turn on any of your content and anybody that uh, any one of our followers that goes and tries to find your content at your website or your YouTube, the moment they start listening, they're going to realize that you're very advanced in math and esoteric understanding. So um, were you always into this stuff or, or how did you get into this? 
Well, no. Um, I mean, terrible at math, like growing up, you know, um, never focused on anything like that. I got into math basically because I was on a spiritual quest, spiritual pursuit. And so eventually it got to this point of, uh, you know, when you got to God and asking those questions, I didn't, I was sort of always of like rebellious sort, iconoclastic. And I was like, well, I'm not going to take anybody else's opinion or their belief or their, you know, their uh, understanding of God or religion and adopt that. It's like, no, if if um, God is true, I need a direct experience and I need to be able to prove that. I need to be able to prove God. Otherwise, what, you know, I, I, I'm not, I was never... Uh, satisfied with just a belief, you know, in that sort of sense. So when I was undergoing that, I was like, okay, well, when it gets to things provable, you know, I, you can't trust men, you know, you can't, a lot of times you can't even trust yourself because, you know, you come up with stupid ideas and things like that. So it got to this thing where it was like, okay, well, what can you trust? And that led to um, uh, this notion of, well, mathematics, you know, mathematics doesn't lie. And so as I was undergoing this sort of spiritual quest of trying to find out who I am and the nature of God and that sort of stuff, this ultimately led into um, the study of math. Um, and that was one of the things that was one of the connecting threads that I found when you looked, uh, when you look across culturally or like in comparative mythology, that's the one thing, mathematics, the mention of mathematics or certain geometric forms, that sort of thing, you'll find again and again and again uh, deemed as holy or considered as sacred. And so uh, that was one of the things that drew me in immediately to the study of mathematics and getting into number symbolism and, you know, where you find these things in nature and what math is, what numbers are in general, like what, it, what, what are these things, you know? And then, so that was a long time of studying, um, you know, deeply studying those ideas, heavily studying math for at least a year you know, where I was, you know, consistently focused on it, that sort of thing. And then eventually it led to, um, because there was this spiritual backing, it led to this notion that, you know, there was a lot of spiritual traditions, um, you know, the you know, Jewish or, you know, the Hebrew being a prominent one that, um, you know, there was numbers associated to letters of the alphabet and that the creation story of a lot of these more esoteric um the more esoteric creation stories actually said that the you know the world was built with the like the numbers and letters of the alphabet you know what i mean the the letters of the alphabet and the and numbers you know which was like why what is what the heck is that you know and then you find out this practice is actually all over the world you find it in you know air uh you know the arabic the abjad letter system you find uh number to letter correlates in greek um, that sort of thing. And so this, obviously this has been a practice that's been around for a long time. So that got me into, well, is there something for English, you know? And so that's, uh, yeah, essentially kind of how it happened. It it's really is so interesting how everything can be equated and math is pretty much in all that you say and do and everything around you. Uh, I'm really curious, like, uh, there's an actual religion, not the Pythagorean religion, but a newer aged religion that, says math is God. Uh, what is your opinion? Like, do you feel as if like math is the thumbprint of God or math is more of God than a thumbprint of God? It's just, a. it's, I mean, not just, but it, it's a language is really what it is. So, um, you know, to, to basically explain to the listeners, like the profundity of math, you know, and, and it's, it's, um, 
how it's really uh, supernatural. You know, when you look at math, and this is how it's understood across the world, it's universal in its foundation, that you actually have um, an alphabet. And that alphabet is the number 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And it's with those 10 numbers, you can create any other number in creation, right? And it doesn't matter how big or complex that number is. So what you have with those 10 numerals or digits is actually a numeric alphabet, okay? And so uh, so right there, then you this actually leads to the 10 emanations of God and why, you know, the Pythagoreans her- heralded the Tetractus. This goes on and on and on. But uh, the point being is that, you know, numbers themselves are ordered, they're sequential, and they go on forever, right? So zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, but and it literally goes infinitely. Well, all of those numbers are in an order. So they're natural. They're, they have a sequence. So they're naturally ordered. Not only that, but every single one of those numbers has divisors, has qualities, attributes to it, has uh, reflections in geometry, right? Uh, all of these things, you know, all the, all, you know, that all the attributes and qualities you can find within these numbers. And those those, those numbers go infinitely. So here you have literally a language that by itself is infallible because you can never change the, you know, any of the qualities of numbers. You can't like go in and just all of a sudden say seven is not going to be a prime anymore. It doesn't work that way. They're incorruptible, infallible. They're everywhere at once. They're available to all people. They're universal, meaning that all the, the you know, all the attributes and things like that are the same to every single human being, no matter when you existed on this plane of existence or, or, you know, when or where or what language you spoke or what religion you are or what race you are. And the so these numbers are literally everywhere. And then you say, so what they really are is, um, is well, like I said, it's a language, but it's uh, it's proof of an intelligence behind the creation itself is literally what numbers are, because there it's it's and this and the language itself is found everywhere. You know, you find it in the very building of the house I'm in right now. And you can also go outside and see um, these mathematical design, you know, these patterns within nature itself. And can so, you give us some examples you know, th- of that, that for the listeners? Just some, yeah, some, maybe, from some the- ones that you, basically somebody were to come up into you and be like, well, how do I know Jamatra? How do I know things are being encoded in our reality? And you, some obvious ones that are, that are really cool. Um, could you um, detail some of that? That kind of just like it lines up to the point where we know, like it's 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 in it's for sure that where it's being encoded. Well, I was I was speaking there more of more about you know when you look into nature being the numbers themselves, but you know, uh, not speaking directly on Gamatra here, but numbers themselves being recognized in in nature. Like even when you look at a flower, that flower mm-hmm. grows into the pattern it grows into because, and you know, it's based on fundamental geometry. You know, so it has its own pattern, its own order, its own growth. And it can be understood through this language that once again is everywhere, that sort of thing. So leading to Gematria, the the mystics of old obviously recognized that um the the power of that 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 language of God. It was literally a sacred alphabet, a language of God that's everywhere, available to all people, universal, that sort of thing. And so then because this language is so interpenetrating everywhere, as God is. You know, it ultimately led, as it led me to being like, okay, well, is there this, is there math behind our alphabet? You know, is is there math behind the very language that we're speaking? 
And of course, like, you know, accordingly there is, you know, um, so then it gets into, you know, where do you find this, uh, evidence of this, you know, being used in the world and stuff like that? Well, that's a whole conversation, but you can find at least the cipher that we, that we discussed on, our, uh, on my channel, you can find it symbolically encoded in tons of things all over the world. And so that gets into a whole, I don't know where we want to go from there, but. Yeah, I have a, a question that's plagued me since I heard about it. Uh, there is a huge interest in prime numbers. Like uh, there's like massive awards for people figuring out equations that involve prime numbers and uh, like how they are themselves infinite. Uh, what is like, is is this because people are trying to like really dissect and understand this language that uh, our creator speaks? Or would you like put your thumb on a different purpose for why these people would be so curious in prime numbers? Because I'm sure you're aware if you've looked into it, there's a huge interest in prime numbers. And it's just something I've, you know, I tried to, I don't understand why. Does that get into transcendental numbers too, Marty? Yeah, well, I mean, so one of the things about primes is that the, you know a lot of people they they're they're seeking for an order as to like why the primes unfold as they do. What you know, this is once again what I'm saying is it's evidence of um, an intelligence behind creation itself. Because once again, not only are you looking for an order of those prime numbers, but um, they are located in a sequence of order of numbers that starts from zero, one, two, three, and like I said, grows sequentially. You know, the question that we that most people should be asking is where does any of that shit comes from come from in the first place? It's not like invented by anyone. It's not created by anyone. It's just understood. And like I said, it then it's uh, and it's everywhere at once. It's literally metaphysical numbers themselves. They're supernatural. They're they work within nature, but they're not anywhere material in nature. They're metaphysical. They work within the physicality, but they're beyond the physical. So um, it's evidence and proof, in my opinion, of of a of a creator of a divine intelligence. The focus to the focus on primes, as you're asking, is just another one of these things like, you know, the, the mysteries of math itself. Just like why is why is pi 3.14159265353, et cetera, goes on to infinitely. This has been one of those queries you know of of riddles of, that you find within math you know mathematicians um investigate all the time because there there are these mysteries within math you know so uh i i love that you brought that up because i i watched your video on squaring the circle on how because pi is infinite it's impossible to match the exact surface of a circle to a square uh is like what is the significance behind this does it is there a deeper meaning behind uh squaring the circle well this is the thing that it's like when you realize that math is a language and it's a and it's a divine language it's like okay it's like through this god is speaking to you in this sense okay and speaking to you through the 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 riddles of the geometry and everything like that like, for instance, when you talk about, um, you know, when you see the order and pattern of nature and God, in, in, in this sense, God or the creator speaking to us through that, you know, um, us going into nature and extracting the higher order and the intelligence behind it. This is one of the ways God speaks in this sense to humanity. So when you go out into nature and you find 
you know, um, the proportion of the fib, you know, the the proportion of phi, right? Um, it's the golden ratio, golden mean. A lot of people know this, right? Well, that proportion is found in the the number is the pentagram. It's found in the literally the geometry of the number five. So it's you know numbers themselves, mathematics itself is this language. And when you go in and understand the qualities and properties of the number itself, you start speaking the language of the creator. You know. Um, and so that gets into all sorts of things like, you know, the mystery of pi, and this gets into ma why mathematical constants become so important, why you find uh, so much of this math tied to religious symbolism, whether that be the Trinity or, you know, the ever presence of uh, the ever, ever present uh, holy number seven that's, you know, in literally every single culture. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, the, the, the thing that we find in our current culture in modernity is that, you know, in the past, this was well understood, well, you know, it was studied, it was uh, expounded upon, it was elaborated on in, in many different schools, because it was just part of the seven classic liberal arts, you know, number and geometry being part of, you know, the, the quadrivium, trivium and quadrivium, you know, our modern school systems, you know, don't, don't, they don't teach any of that shit. So, and of course, they teach people uh, math and in this awful way, so that people tend to hate it, you know. So um, this whole base of knowledge is really the foundation of learning itself. You know, when you start getting into number and geometry, like we've ne most people do not have a proper education. Well, a proper education comes from the, the trivium and the quadrivium. And part of the quadrivium is this. And it's so foundational because of because of its sacred nature. You know. Yeah, I lit I literally picked up that um that book, the quadrivium book. I'm going to read through it. Definitely. Um. One thing about numbers that I see often in the truth community, and I know that's not like everybody's favorite analogy of what the community is, but um, they they are scared of the numbers. Like, uh, and and I was too. I'll admit, like I used to post videos around the number thirty three and six six six, and and I still I and I still um do believe that um some of those numbers are evil, but not inherently. Um, numbers aren't inherently evil themselves. It's the intention behind the numbers, um, similar to words or, or anything else in this reality. It's all based on intent. So when people see numbers like in the news where they're saying 33 or they're saying 322, the skull and bones number or uh, 11, Aleister Crowley's most evil number, as he would say, um, I don't want people to just immediately get scared of numbers because um, you and of yourself use the number 33, um, right, Marty? And I, I feel like I almost want to ask if you use that in, in intent to kind of guide people down that and force them down that thought process of why is Marty using the number 33? Because if you look up Marty's website, it's martyleads33.com. And that doesn't mean that Marty Leeds is a Freemason, a 33rd degree Freemason, and he's evil or anything like that. And we've already kind of gone over with our community, our, our beliefs on Freemasonry, and I'm sure it's exactly like yours, where it, it isn't evil. And and after studying your work, I'm learning more and more about it, because when I look into your library, there's tons of um, Freemasonry books and occult books, and um, I, I'm really trying to change my mind and in, in where, um, hey, I can take these books, and maybe I can learn something from them, even though we might say Albert Pike is a, a, a high-level Freemason, whatever you want to assume about him. 
can we still learn things from these people? Are they are they offering um, occult information that would be helpful to us in figuring out this reality? And from what I've learned from you, it, it is yes. And it, it's really opening up my mind, which is really cool, which uh, I would love to express to the audience. Like these numbers aren't inherently uh, inherently evil and neither are, is, is Freemasonry. Back when Freemasonry started from what I've been able to deduce is that it basically was a society that was trying to encode and hold sacred information that was going to be destroyed whether or not um, it was good back then or bad i'm not sure right now what would i say about freemasonry at the highest levels it's evil that's what i would say past the 30th degree i think that they're an allegorically or, or uh, metaphysically worshiping the the um this archetype lucifer but um Either way, I think that we can always learn something from anybody, and that's what Gnosticism in and of itself kind of encompasses is that we can learn everything from um, every religion, and they all are kind of encoding the same stories, which is um, really cool. That And I want to bring it up to everybody. The Trinity is found in like basically every single religion, which is the number three of three godheads basically adding up to uh, the Trinity. So um, it's really cool looking into your stuff. What would you add to that? Would you add anything to that? um marty about like kind of freemasonry and then the 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 scary numbers what would you add to that well just like um going out you know uh when i first well i've always been this way but when i got into this subject specifically or these subjects the cult subjects like i said i was very iconoclastic and so you know, people would say things like, oh, yeah, Freemasonry is evil, or the number 13 is evil, or the number 666 is evil. And I would always just want to go, well, why? You know, like, don't just give me, and most of, not even say, I'm going to say most of the time, I would say nearly all of the time, it was just somebody giving you their opinion that was based on some sort of superstition or ignorance or something like that. So I went into these things myself with just a completely open mind, untethered and unshackled to any sort of belief system or you know, and not scared of anything. Like I, I also had a strong enough heart that if I was going to go into something and find it, that it was, you know, satanic or whatever, I would get the heck out because why would I want anything to do with that? So I went into things like number 13, number 666, uh, you know, the, the occult, the, the occult in general, even anything related to the occult by, by many people's standards, as Caleb, you were saying growing up, you can't even open that door. That door isn't even mm-hmm. known to some uh, people, you know, and so I went into with just gusto and gumption. I was just like, well, I'm going to go in and I'm just going to find out what the genuine article of this shit is, right? Mm-hmm. And so you go into this stuff and you realize that, yeah, like, you know, the the 666 thing is, uh, is it's it's literally uh, people not under, I mean, uh, it's sort of a meme that's that's grabbed hold over the years, many, many years. And it's uh, it's it's founded on nothing. It's like people say, well, yeah, the number it says it in the Bible, and you know, it's related to the <laughs> devil. You know, thirteen eighteen Revelation. You know, you can read it yourself. You know, but then you read further, and it's you find out that no, well, a bunch of saints actually overcame and had victory over this beast, and then took the number. You know, so it's actually a number of conquering the devil is actually what the number represents. You know, if you just read it scripturally. And so there was things like that that was huge tells to me that I was like, okay, well, so much of 
when you deal with these subjects, you're not dealing with people that are actually well-versed and well-studied and open-minded and, you know, willing to bring their high level of analysis and discernment to these topics and really get to the heart of the matter. What you, what you're really dealing with is a bunch of people just really, like I said, superstitious, superstitious and losing their minds over this stuff. Freemasonry is another big one. I, when I first heard about Freemasonry, you know, it was, I was, I think I first picked, Picked my first book up in Masonry, maybe 27, 28 years old, something like that, right? And I remember picking it up and being like, wait, are these guys the devil worshipers? Is that what is that what's going on? Then I got into the actual writers and and the people surrounding Masonry. And it was, you know, and I had been a pretty avid reader, uh, you know, all the way up to that point in my life, you know, and beyond that, of course. But uh, up to that point in my life, I was very avid reader. So I read all sorts of different stuff, mythology and classic works of literature and science and quantum physics and blah, 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 blah. But then I got to the mysteries, like these occult writers and esotericists, and they freaking blew my mind. I had never read anything that was so connected, you know, had uh, there was so many connections you could make and, you know, discussing topics um, eloquently and elaborately, like, you know, uh, you know, everything from archaeoastronomy to symbolism to the, the you know, the, the alchemy and all this other stuff that I had, you know, never heard before. But that was some of the best writing I'd ever experienced, you know, bar none. And so that was like, okay, wait a second. So I got into it and I was like, well, this shit's awesome. You know, and I, my intelligence and my own spiritual um, quest grew because of this. Then, you know, you go online as I, as I learned, and I learned this freaking 10, now 12 years ago or whatever it is now that you, you go online and you present this sort of thing, you know, like, oh, Freemasonry isn't all bad. Yeah. There might be some corruption here and there, but mm-hmm. you know, all things go corrupt, but that's not what it's about. It's not mm-hmm. about devil worship or sacrificing children or worshiping Lucifer, any of that sort of stuff, as most people believe. What it actually is, as you mentioned, is it's a it's a compendium and library of of keeping ancient wisdom alive. And it's actually a, a, a basically a recapitulation, recapitulation of the modern day mystery schools. So and that's what I really understood reading it for, you know, a decade plus now um was that and and that's everything i you know gathered you know you know garnered from it and that's what i teach now um i I just i'm curious uh, do you think that they've taught us to hate this because of all of the truth that does reside in these different uh freemasons and these other groups the esoteric wisdom that's being hidden do you think we're trained to be like spiteful towards these things because of the information we could receive could actually be really helpful I mean, that's part of, you know, for, uh, that's part of how the devil works, if you will, right, um, it, it is, you know, to basically, the, the first thing is, is anything that's really good, true and beautiful, and really going to emanate light that actually is helpful for humanity and leads us back to God and the will of God and that sort of thing. The first thing you're going to find is the devil getting all up in that business. Do you know what I mean? Because he's going to want to per- pervert and distort and invert and, and you know, get you to look the other way. This is one of his main tricks, if you will. And I'm, you know, um, and so, yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I mean, it's, as I say, you know, it isn't to say that there isn't aspects of, of masonry, masonry throughout the years or people that have been masonry that aren't to blame for some wicked shit. There is, but that's not to, you know, that's not uh, masonry 
fault or the tradition of masonry or the people involved in that some of the some of the greatest people i know that have been masons like the most charitable and loving kind people you know um so yeah but um you know it's it's a it's a i as i say it's a lazy and easy thing to to blame masonry for everything in the world that's what a lot of people do and there's been a, a euphemism known at the lodge about this and it's called um it's called riding the goat and so they always make a joke about this because you know everybody just blames the mason oh it's those guys down at the lodge and it's really a misdirection it really mm-hmm. is um because as as we see today it's you know when you look at the world economic forum and you look at most of these people they're not masons they're not they're involved in the occult absolutely absolutely you know and they know this body of information absolutely but does that mean they're masons no not at all and so that's the sort of thing that's misconstrued by most a lot of people in this quote unquote community I never um, thought that I would have somebody be able to change my mind on that. I was that guy. I used to make videos just fighting with Freemasons, saying they're all worshiping the devil. It's really crazy, like, what you've opened up my mind to. And that's why, um, if I can say anything to anybody watching this episode, is go listen to Marty. um, Go listen to his sermons. I'm really sad I missed your Sunday um, sermon um, this Sunday, I was able to watch the the replay of it, obviously, but I I totally wanted. I thought it was going to be live on your website. I didn't know it was on your YouTube, and um, but I'll definitely be there for next Sunday. So I hope that everybody that is a member here, I want to see them in the chat at the um, next Sunday sermon um, where Marty is teaching because your your stuff is truly amazing, and I will be studying your work and I will buy every book that you produce. So, um, but it really is beautiful the the fact that you opened up my mind to that idea like i have freemasonry books downstairs in in my house that i kind of just bought to try to understand it and be able to you know go back and forth with freemasons and i will now instead of flipping through them trying to find satanic things i'll be fully reading them trying to get everything that i can get out of them so it's really cool that you've changed my mind and um i think this is a start where we have to change all of the truth community's minds about this so that we can better focus and um better kind of understand the zionists and who is doing this at the end of the day because we don't want to point you know blame at at people that uh, that aren't necessarily doing anything or don't necessarily do know that they're doing anything wrong um i want to hop us over into the number 432 and the number 440 though um i'm reading from your book here and i just want to read a couple of the points that you made just to show everybody how interesting this number 432 is and kind of where it is all over. Um, The earth has 24 hours in a day clocked with 60 seconds in a minute and 60 seconds in an hour. One half day, therefore, consists of 432,000 seconds. 60 times 60 times 12 equals 432,000. The degree of phylotaxis multiplied by pi equals 432. 137.5 times 3.142 equals 32.025. There are 432 Buddha statues in Borobudur, Indonesia, and in Mahayana Buddhist temples. And there are 432 statues. Um, Kali Yuga is said to last 432,000 years. Um, There's so many more here. You go on for a whole other page explaining um, the encoding and the significance of 432. Um, Can you kind of talk about what your personal opinion is um, around the number 432? And like everybody, if if, um, the audience doesn't know, 
they used to have our music on 432, like frequency or hertz, and now they've switched it to 440. What is your opinion on why they did this and um, just um, some cool thoughts that you have on this number 432? And maybe if you want to bring up Pi as well, um, I'd be okay with that. Yes, we're going to start here. Um, okay, well, let's. Uh, well, I'll first say this: four thirty-two. Whenever you see the whole thing in uh, with the four thirty-two hertz that you find in music, mm-hmm. is really um, exemplified really well when you look at the semantics. Because you know, when you tune to four thirty-two hertz, it does you know uh, create this really sort of complex geometric forms. If you look into a, like a somatic plate, and you tune to four forty, and it gets sort of chaotic. You know, and so a lot of people have mentioned that it's like, oh, there's there's something happened along the way. A lot of people blame the Nazis or something, but they blame the Nazis for everything. So, <laughs> uh, but they said, you know, somebody along the way, you know, switched this. And um, I will say this: I didn't, you know, that that was very intriguing to me because of the, ge- you know, geometry and that sort of thing. Um, but then I didn't really. I was always just still tuned to four forty, and then one day I actually tuned to four thirty two, and I immediately just felt it just sounded brighter it just really did for some reason and then i started singing with it and it was a lot easier to sing with so that's my own experience with 432 like as soon as i tuned to it i was like it does sound brighter there seems to be a, a warmth to it you know um and so i i tuned to 432 now um i just because i literally just like it more um so there's that but the number 432 whenever um Whenever you get into the study of like sacred numbers, and uh, this is this idea of basically going into the creation itself and extracting these numbers from the creation, from the natural intelligence that is found within the creation from the creator. Um, you know, one of the first things you'll go to is uh, what you what you mentioned there is the cycles of time itself, because that's one of the ways that we actually um, specifically relate mathematics to our cosmos is that we count the sun, we count the moon, we count the cycle of Mer- Mercury and Venus and, and and understand its geometric patterns. So, um, uh, you know, there's 86,400 seconds in a day, half a day would be four, four, 43,200. And so when you get into number symbolism and, you know, numerology and things like that, you look at these base numbers being 108, 216, 432, 864. And then you start to realize that these numbers that are found inherently within creation, literally just mapping and tracking the sun, you can find it in all these other places, which shows that there's this crazy, uh, this is what it showed me anyway, there's this crazy interconnectivity that's happening within this language of math. And when you go into it, what you're doing is actually learning the sort of creative way in which God has made the world. So 432 is um, one, of, one of the ones that you, you mentioned there was, um, it, this is an important one too, you know, thinking about the world as many mystics and, you know, the, the, those sort of folk, that sort of ilk has, is that this is a, there's a harmony, there's a resonance, that there's a, um, uh, music of the spheres is really what's creating this world, a harmonious word, if you will, that reverberates through the whole thing. Uh, when you look at uh, the degree of phylotaxis, which is the degree in which a lot of plants will grow, it's at a degree of 137.5. And this is the fundamental sort of um, design of the plant itself as it grows. So you take this fundamental degree found all throughout nature, 137.5, you multiply it by pi, which is a mathematical constant used everywhere, you know, uh, you get 432 just naturally. 
So it seems this number, literally just by looking at mathematical constants um, and their relationship, that this number just appears kind of thing. Um, you know, and like you said, there's there's so many references across the world in all these different religions, whether that's Buddhism or you go to the Norse or the, you know, that sort of thing, Hindu, that they mention this number specifically. And then you say, well, why? Why not 437? Why not 169? Why 432? Well, you go into uh, the natural order of creation itself and it will unveil this, this, uh, these truths to you, you know. Do you think it has something to do with like the fact that we're spoken into existence and like that might be the resonance frequency of existence altogether? And that's why it resonates with us when uh, we encompass ourselves in this in this tone. Uh, do you think that has something to do with the fact that we were spoken into existence? Well, the I mean, so many I mean, there's so many there's a whole chapter in the book on Lord Jesus Christ that I, I go over this and it's basically like the holiness of the word. And this idea of the word is found in all b- bunch of different cultures. And that's that notion that you're saying. That's like that we are spoken into existence. We, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how, you know, the Kabbalists would say that the, 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 the creation of the world was created by number and the letters of the alphabet, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, when you, when you talk about in the beginning was the word and the word is with God or in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth and, and God said, and God said, let there be light. God spoke creation to an existence. Well, that's a tone. That's a sound. That's, you know, reverberation through um, uh, letters and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, um, I think there's a lot there. You know, th- this the idea that there's mathematics behind creation l- lends itself to the fact that there would be a musicality or a rhythm rhythm to it, which we know there is. There is a rhythm to the pattern of the moon. There is a rhythm to the pattern of the seasons of the sun. There's a rhythm to the pattern of all of this stuff. So um, that lends itself to the fact that, yeah, the you know, as Psalms talks about, that God is the chief musician, you know. That's so cool. Um, I would be curious to see if you um, are familiar with anybody else's work. Do you study anybody else that does gematria? One person that I can think um, that I I keep tabs on and I do like to study their work just because he blows my mind all the time um, would be Zach um, from Gematria Effect News on YouTube. He does a lot of work basically just kind of showing how the um, leaders and the news articles and the news um, um, networks are using numbers to encode reality. Do you ever do any work like that, or do you more or less just stay away from that because you're so distracted trying to decode the Bible and other spiritual texts? Well, I'm not. You know, this this actually becomes a point of contention between like me and a lot of other these these guys. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm not mm-hmm. in support of anything that those that those guys do. Um, there's a bunch of reasons why. Number one, um, you know, gematria itself is a spiritual science. It's it's literally, and that's how I got into it. You know, mm-hmm. was studying the, you know, the spiritual aspects of of numbers and number symbolism, things like that. And then when you look into the history of gematria, that's what it's used for. It's what you know, most people think of gematria and they think of the cabal and the secret elite of the world running shit and encoding stuff, but that's really not what it's about at all. Um, you will get into because you deal with in in this subject, you'll deal in theology, and the people that run the world are it's 
the theological mafia, you know, so to understand what they're doing, you have to go past politics and societal beliefs and things like that and go straight to their belief in God. And so therefore, Gamatria will lead you into, um, uh, you know, cons- conspiracies and things like that. But I do not do the, you know, looking at the news and, t- you know, typing a bunch of stuff into a calculator and making connections because mm-hmm. another reason for that is, there's multiple ciphers that a lot of these people are using. Well, just doing that alone is breaks logical fallacies. You know, logical fallacies are at the foundation of your, um, you know, logical arguments and, and debate and things like that. And as soon as you bring multiple ciphers in and allow yourself that sort of freedom, what you're doing is actually, you know, literally creating logical logic fallacies with, um, you know, uh, Texas sharpshooting and cherry picking and and that sort of thing. And so I stay away from that. Um, Gamatria, this, the, what Gamatria is there to do is, under, is help you understand how profound our language is. Um, and so I use a specific cipher for that that I've actually uncovered from the Bible. But, you know, when you look at our language, it's highly specific, highly specific, meaning that, you know, words are spelled specifically. They have spe- specific phonetics. Um, they have specific meanings. They have specific roots, things like that. We use them specifically. There's an order and and um, and syntax when, with our language and how that we you know when we put sentence structures together and stuff like that. There's you know, that's rules of grammar, you know, and uh, so all of these things are hyper specific. So when you get into gematria, gematria is specifying that specificity even more. That's what it's supposed to be doing. So when you find a number behind a word, it's supposed to give you greater insight into that word. And there's a specific number attached to that word. When you use four, five, 20 different ciphers as a, a mishmash of whatever you want and assign things, essentially whatever you want. And that gets dangerous because you're no longer seeking truth. You're, um, you know sort of fitting whatever you what are your whatever your personal agenda is to the map you know what i mean yeah that i think that that's huge and i'm really glad that i brought that up because i didn't think that i think i didn't think i thought you were going to answer that completely different so um i think that's huge and and for me that again like the more i listen to you and talk to you you open up my mind to so many things and i don't know what it is it's just the way you word it i don't know i really respect your opinion but um yeah i used to think like that i literally would look into all these um do you pronounce is it gematria or gematria does it matter I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Okay, Some okay, people, okay. I was you know, curious. They, I, I've yeah, heard both. Yeah, I've heard it as both. So, but yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, and because people, I know if you guys go and try to look into um, Gematria on YouTube or these other social networks, you're going to find that over and over. What um, um, you just said is that people are relating this to the occult and they're trying to show how they're using it to encode the news and things like that, where you're taking Gematria and you're making it beautiful, which I'd never seen before for and which blew my mind the moment i opened your book so um i'm really glad that we brought you on to get this across to everybody and and start out and because a lot of our um i know a lot of our audience probably isn't even familiar with gematria this is going to be a whole um new topic to that people are jumping into and especially they aren't familiar with the beautiful side of gematria where you're using um 432 and these other beautiful numbers that you're um, finding from the bible and um also from your book you're fi- you're using your hands and things like that and i'd like you to kind of talk about that the encoding um if you can around the number 28 and also um, how you're using your hands to um, um, get to that number and, and relate it to other places in our realm. 
Yeah, let me say one thing quick that'll lead into this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things that you find with the Gamatrianator people or those, you know, people that do a lot of Gamatria online and just are constantly looking into the occult and stuff. What you'll find is that most of those people, if not nearly all of them, are essentially numerically illiterate. You know, like I said, before I got to Gamatria, what I did was actually studied number symbolism and how it, you know, how they relate to one another and what their qualities are and divisors. Are they a prime? Are they not? Odd even? What is the geometry? And understood that as, um, you know, signifiers of design and a creator in the world. So, you know, most people that get into Gamatria, they start with just punching a bunch of numbers into a calculator and having no idea what those numbers actually mean in and of themselves. And so therefore you get, you know, part of the issue um, leading into this, leading into the hands and things like that. This was this notion of numbers are um, these signifiers once again, or uh, it's a language of the divine or signifiers of the divine. It led, you know, the uh, the esoteric path or the mystical path leads you to this notion of, okay, well, uh, know thyself. You know, you have to ultimately, if you're trying to understand your relationship to God and what you're doing here and, you know, all those, all these huge questions that we're inundated by in our, in our lives, uh, you have to know yourself. You have to look at yourself and be like, okay, what, you know, we start with square one kind of thing. So when I started studying math, that was, you know, eventually after, you know, I looked down and I was like, oh, okay, look at this. Our hands are segmented and they have all these little pieces on them. You know, it's like God put math right in front of you and your hands um, and the little segments of your hands are actually one of the only things on your body besides your toes, mind you, that actually have are naturally segmented and actually like, you know, in this sense, sort of like, uh, you know, um, almost like enumerated in this sense, they're they're naturally segmented and they're right before you. And so you have 28 phalanges on your hands. So there's three on each finger four fingers so one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve and then two on the thumb and that's 14 and 14 and so you know when i saw that and the first time i did this i was like oh that's 28 and because i had done number you know i'd done a lot of studying number i was like oh whoa that's the seven triangular number you know so here we have the seventh you know seven triangular number just being one two three four five six seven you add them up and you get you get the number that's that god is placed right in front of you you know, so at, for years of studying, like all of these cultures that, you know, venerated the number seven and it was, you know, you know, prominently placed in their creation stories or whatever it is. And it's like, well, why? This was my question. Why? Why the number seven? Like, I want an answer, God. Like, why? And then one day it was like, oh, well, it's right in front of you kind of thing. So it's like, oh, you can see why so many of these cultures focused on the number seven. The creation story in Genesis is based on the number seven. The first, you know, the first uh, Sarah and the Quran is seven verses. You know, you could just go on and on and on with the number seven. Fifty-four times the number seven is mentioned in Revelation. Well, why? You know, and this leads to, right to, uh, once again, what um, this study is supposed to lead you to, what the study of uh, number symbolism and gamatria is actually supposed to lead you to and it's a better understanding of yourself and your relationship to god so when you look down it's like oh i'm why is seven sacred you know well it's displayed right in front of you um so it starts to um answer a lot of the riddles in my opinion and it has for me anyway
That's that's exactly what me and Derek are were saying, and we've said over the last week that we've been um, encompassing ourselves in your literature and your and your sermons. Um, one thing I want to get out in the first hour because I know that we're getting towards the top of um, the first hour is I really truly think that you are establishing um, spiritualism in a way that is comprehensive and. Um, is applicable to all religions all across the world. What you are doing is truly awesome and insane, and uh, I will forever um, probably be listening to your stuff. I I can't get that. I can't say that enough. It's truly crazy once you really start listening um, to Marty's stuff and start understanding numbers. and And I'd recommend reading his books. How many books do you, have you written? I don't know, not eight or nine or something. I wrote, um, I you know, I wrote the Pine English Alphabet series, which was uh, three books, but then I had done like uh, updates on them, and then this last one. So I don't know, nine books, something like that. Wow, and um, I, I he's have, been I think I have four out now, three, three or four out now. So I love it. And your next one, I'm super, super looking forward to. So you got to hurry and get it out. Um, Scriptures in the Sky, or what? What was the name of the new one that you're writing right now? Um, yeah, working literally working on it right, right. Yeah, scripture and the stars. So I'm working on that, and that's uh, taking a lot of the biblical stories and relating them to the stars above. Yeah, and just so you guys know, I want everyone to be aware. Um, Marty is doing um, segments and sermons essentially on his YouTube, where he's taking um, New Testament scriptures and, and chapters and breaking them down astrologically and um, etymologically, and and it's truly crazy and beautiful how um, you can relate it to the sky, and it's really been a really big help for me because I'm starting to read through the Bible for the first time. Um, I'm also reading the Bhagavad Gita. Um, I'm ordering the Quran and. Uh, any other uh, scripture that I can get my hands on just to read them because um, I've always kind of felt like that as a kid. Even as a kid, I as going into um, the Mormon religion and going into church, I was kind of like, well, these guys are saying that every other church is wrong, but how do I know that for myself unless I read their scriptures and I, I read their books? And um, growing up, I've always just seen that as too big of a task because I've never been a reader, and I think that that's going to be an over – um, a, a, a repeating thing with this next generation where we're not raised to read and learn out of books. People are going to the internet and they can search their the one little thing and they can get right off. They've learned what they were looking for instead of having to read through an entire book and learn everything that's in that book. Um, it, it's truly sad to me because um, I didn't start picking up reading until I found Crow and you, especially you. You're also um, been a huge help with like finding literature that I, I should be reading and that I want to read to help my vocabulary and expanse it. And um, I hope that this encourages more people to do that in and of itself is just study knowledge and study wisdom because it's so interesting and it's extremely beautiful looking into um gematria and how it relates to the bible and um how it relates to everything and 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 um how we they all how all of these religions kind of came up with um the same idea somehow but they're all split all across the world it's it's really cool looking into this and i, I again i just love that you're um, doing what you do, and I hope that you continue to. But I know that we are getting um, towards the top of the hour, so I want to let Derek um, get in here and um, get um, any last questions in. Derek, do you have any last questions before we jump into the second hour where um, 
Essentially, guys, we wanted to focus on Gematria in this. Um, we're going to focus on Gematria more in the second hour, but we're more or less going to also go into the idea of religion and and go into, again, just the ideas of the Bible and um, how astrology relates to them and uh, etymology and these these really cool different ideas. So, um, Derek, do you have any last questions that you want to get across or ask to um, uh, Marty before we jump into the second hour? Well, uh, so yeah, one thing that I'm curious on is like, it, it seems like Gematria was more or less discovered as like a hidden language and not so much uh, generated by by us. I'm just curious, like if the if the Freemasons and these other hidden occult knowledges know these things, why why don't they why do they keep it a secret? Like what would possess them to uh, have all of this good information that could benefit the world and really help people grow spiritually and to truly find themselves. Uh, what's the purpose of keeping that kind of thing hidden? Is is it because if they were open about it, uh, they would be destructive like anybody else who does try to bring truth to the world? Or uh, that's just one thing that's kind of bothering me about the whole uh, thing is like they they hide very important information and they keep it amongst themselves when this information would really help people uh, to feel okay with this world and to understand themselves in a way that they could grow and learn and uh, eventually reach a point of spirituality where they're comfortable in their skin and they don't feel as if uh, they're out of place or lost or just with a big hole in their heart. So that's kind of one of the things that bothers me is uh, that they do keep it secret. So I'm just kind of wondering, where's your idea on that, on why they would like to keep this secret while they possess some of the greatest information the world could ever come across? Well, it depends like who you mean by they, because, you know, we do know that the elite of the world that see us as the plebes, you know, see us as the chattel, they're obviously well adept, you know, at least at some of the higher levels of of understanding this occult knowledge, understanding what everything, the purpose of Earth, what the shape of the Earth is, what we're doing here, gematria, sacred, you know, go down the list. Um, the problem that actually happens is people think that they and they laud this at Freemason, like a Freemasonry, like the secrets that are held within the lodge is this information and these people know it and they're not allowing this information out. And that's actually not the case at all. Most free, I mean, I would say not, I'm not even most, I would say nearly every single Freemason out there does not know the secrets of Gematria. In fact, this is one of the things you'll learn when you get into Freemasonry and take it seriously, right? One of the main myths of, um, a folklore myths that's central to masonry is that the it's uh Hiram Abiff and the lost Masonic word. And so there's this notion that this guy, um, Hiram Abiff, who helped build Solomon's temple, was attacked by three ruffians. They wanted this sacred word of God, and Hiram didn't give it up because they weren't worthy of it. And so finally, these guys killed him, and the sacred word has been lost. So the whole um, project of Freemasonry over the years, the tradition has been the recovery of this lost Masonic word. And endless writers have written about this. It's part of the main myth of Masonry. It's one of the first things you'll learn to go in, you know, that sort of thing. So really what Masonry is all about is trying to seek out that that which is lost. So um, uh, so that that's, you know, the, the actual knowledge or, you know, the wisdom or the answers to all this stuff is not what is being held as, quote unquote, the secrets in masonry. 
the reason you have um, just to just to make a point on this, the reason you have the quote unquote secrets of masonry is literally to entice people into the order so that they will uh, undergo that spiritual path themselves. Um, masonry is all about being autodidactic. It means that, look, you have to go and knock, you have to go and ask, and you have to go and hike the mountain yourself, you know? And so all of these things that the Masons do is literally to entice people into the mysteries to be like, Hey, what are you doing there? What does this mean? What does this symbol mean? And, and that's, I mean, I'll just tell you guys this, that's exactly what it did for me because I kept asking the question, like, what is going on here? Then you go into masonry and find out that a lot of these guys, they don't know what's going on. Literally, they write endless books about, quote unquote, the mysteries, what all this stuff means. But they do, um, the reason that they exist is because they they uh they care so much about keeping the stuff alive because they do know that it has this divine import this crazy uh you know uh that the 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 truth is there you know um and that's exactly what i found in masonry so to answer your question there are people in the world that absolutely hide this stuff because they don't give a shit about you or me or anybody they only care about themselves um but you know uh, what happens is a lot of like i said masonry gets blamed for this and that's just not the case it it seems like they they always hide behind good because they like uh, I've always had the belief that like the average Masons aren't bad. My uncle's a Mason. Uh, and I've always kind of seen him as, you know, like a seeker order. Yes. But one that was maybe trying to preserve the truth of the world and that the, the upper levels of it was infiltrated because, uh, the lower levels are so good and they do feed the homeless and they do good things in their community that, you know, if you don't know much, you, you, you understand that it can't be the Masons, uh, if you, if you're not keen to the idea that their upper levels may have been hijacked. So that's just something that does bother me and, uh, being, you know, like making it where you do have to seek it out. That that's a cool answer. I like that. Uh, I, it kind of like implies that they know that we're eternal and like, that this isn't your one and only shot to, you know, make it to where you think you're going. Uh, Cause like if, if you were to believe that we go to hell, if you don't find the truth or whatever, this is your one and only life, then that would seem in a way like uh, they're harming the society. Uh, but if they do understand that this whole world is about spiritual journey and self-discovery and uh, you walking out there and looking for it, then yeah, it, it that's a good answer. Yeah, I think that um, uh, take from this exactly what um, Marty is explaining, like take Freemasonry at its face value. You can study their books and not become a Freemason. Like that's what I've basically learned from this. And it's it's really beautiful and it's really opened up my eyes because uh, I'm excited to study the occult and I'm really into philosophy and and um, the writings of ancient philosophers now, which I never was before. Again, I wasn't even I like have read three books in my entire life before I started getting into these books with Crow and, and you. And um, I've already purchased like five books from the library that um, you've got posted on your website. So um, what I would tell everybody, um, go check out Marty's website at GnosticAcademy.org or uh, MartyLeads33.com, I believe. Um, and what is your YouTube channel? Uh, Gnostic Academy. 
Okay, check that out on yep. YouTube. He's doing amazing work over there. And um, if you guys are really liking what Marty is doing, just like you guys support us here, um, I would ask that you go support Marty over at his website too um, to, to help him and give him the time that he can study into these subjects because people like Marty are absolutely necessary that are willing to go into these books and take hundreds of hours and of time and try to contemplate them and put them out in a way in a comprehensive way that we can try to understand the the encodings of them um so just like you guys support us here marty has a similar website i think that i signed up for like three bucks a month for his tithe um just to help him out and any donations are obviously going to really help him out as well um with writing his books and getting out this literature i think this is some of the most important work um on this realm completely if if i if it wasn't for people like marty and crow i would be a complete godless person um and flat earth uh, finding out uh, that the earth is flat for a lot of people they're coming around and, and really confused about their religion they're in, they're christian they're jewish they're they're whatever um you guys are it, it doesn't matter people are coming and finding out that the earth is flat and realizing that their churches are not saying are not teaching what their books write the Bible clearly states that the earth is flat. The Quran clearly states that the earth is flat. But none of these religions are going against the scientific community and saying, no, the earth is flat. It's really odd. So I think that this is a really cool way to look at spirituality and religion in general. And I really hope that everybody from the first hour goes and checks out Marty's work. Um, I, it definitely um, will be worth your time if you're interested in these types of subjects. Marty is essentially going to be a key to a door that you um, might have never found before. So um, other than that, I don't have anything else for the first hour and the second hour again we're going to just get into, into more religion and just pick marty's brain and um kind of just converse amongst each other about what we believe in and about religion and things like that so if you want to hear more content um from us and hear the second hour of us talking with marty make sure that you guys are subscribed and our members over here um other than that derek do you have anything else that you want to say in the first hour well i just want to again say thank you and for everybody who's ever been asking us what what are our religious views what how do we view Jesus, how do we view these things? Mm -hmm. We are going to get into that in the second hour. You're going to want to hear this. And again, please, everybody, keep an open mind and understand that we're acting out of love. We are just trying to bring awareness to a dark world. And we'll see you over there. Awesome. Marty, do you have anything else that you want to get across to the first hour? No, I think we covered it. Thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for that. That was nice, guys. Yeah, yeah, I think it was awesome. Um, I'm super excited for the second hour. We will um, see all of the members over there. And thank you guys for being here. Awesome. If you're hearing this message right now, thank you. You're a member of Unearthing 5D Reality. You're awesome. You're incredible. I'm super stoked for this second hour. We're going to get into some what most people or what the normal people of the populace would say would be very controversial topics. But in, in this setting i think it'll be very cool and very beautiful um the first thing that i want to start the second hour off with and one question that i've been really holding back and i wanted to ask you do you think that and this is more or less for the viewers also for everybody to to learn as well because i really like your view on this topic um do you think that jesus christ was a real person that walked around and healed people um <laughs> this is this is the one question everybody seems to want to know whenever you talk about the bible is like was he yep. real kind yep. of thing that's why i started <laughs> so, out with it yeah you know, it's, it's the go-to one it's like, yep um 
you know, I don't see the Bible as a history book, you know, and I don't really see the Bible as th- these being, you know, specific people in uh, in history, you know, and there's a, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, the Bible isn't a history book that doesn't include any dates, you know, so that's a, that's a big issue there. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I see that you do have this thing called, um, actually, I just learned this word. Let me see if I have it here. It's 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 called euhemerism, and it's this it's basically this idea. Um, where do I have it? Um, I'm sorry. You're good. I just got lost. You're good. Take the time you need. Yeah, sorry. We can always um, cut this. We can just ha- cut this part uh, out. Okay. Yeah, it's euhemerism, which is the notion that real historical personages and events have been exaggerated in the retelling of the tale. And I think I think that's really what you have going on in the entire story of the Bible. I think a lot of the um, or there, you know, many of the events in the Bible, like there, you know, there's a lot of evidence that there was a worldwide flood at one point. I think there's, you know, several hundred myths from cultures around the world that, you know, recorded a flood story. Right. Um, And so I think you do have those things crafted in the Bible, you know, live aspects of lived history that have been crafted into the Bible, you know. That these stories have been uh, exaggerated, the characters elaborated, personified, or what you know, whatever, um, anthropomorphized, poeticized, dramatized, that sort of thing. So, um, but as soon as you say what you know, somebody like Jesus is real, like in in you know, in it was a man that came in history. Um, then you have to extend that to every other person in the Bible. And then you immediately get into a lot of issues because some of the stories are just completely outrageous and they defy all, you know, all logic and rationale and reason. And the reason those stories are included in there is, you know, to get you to question things really. So, um, you know, I was, I say, I say this, I'd like to believe he was real. (laughs) I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, it's the, the story of Jesus is probably based on on somebody, you know, on that sort of thing. But um, ultimately, that's not what the stories of the Bible are there to do is record, you know, be a record of linear history. That's not what the, those stories are. What those stories are, are there to permit or uh, to purvey timeless truths. Um, and those are the, the eternalities. Those are the things that are transcendental. Those are the things that come straight from God. And those are the, that's really what's the Bible's trying to um, you know you know get into the reader's head. Yeah. What heart. I would what I want to say to everybody is um, and make this very clear: neither me, neither Derek or uh, Marty can prove or deny the existence of Jesus Christ. Nobody can go back to that time and see him walking around healing everybody and see the Pharisees following him and everything. Nobody can go back and prove that. So. From what I've been able to deduce from the Devil's Pulpit, from the work of Crow 777 Radio and the work of uh, Marty here, um, is that these are allegorical stories or like it's weird. It gets really interesting because Christ and Jesus um, I've seen encoding as like the Christ oil in us that we have to, you know, raise or that um, is also known as um, like Kundalini energy. But also you can take Jesus Christ and um, uh, we got to talk about the work uh, and the numbers around the name Jesus Christ um, that you've done um, as well as the gematria around him. But also the um, astrological encodings of Jesus Christ where um, he died for three days and he was risen. Um, And what's really 
when you start getting into all of this and what really made me realize that um, Gnosticism was the religion that I wanted to look into was this here. I want to read this off for everybody. Um, Tammuz is the Sumeria, Sumerian god. Um, she, or he or she um, was born on December 25th. They were born of a virgin. Um, they were referenced to as Lord and Savior or the healer. They were mocked and humiliated, and they descended into the underworld and were raised from the dead. Um, this is Attis from Greece, born of a virgin, born on December 25th, crucified, died for three days, and was resurrected. Um, this is Krishna from the India um, god archetype. Miraculous conception was um, a star in the east and performed miracles and was resurrected. And then you have Dionysus um, in Greece, born of a virgin, born on December 25th, performed miracles, reference to king of kings, alpha and omega, and was resurrected. Um, you have Mithras from Persia, born of a virgin, born on December 25th, 12 disciples, performed miracles, died for three days, and was resurrected, Sunday worship. And then you have Jesus Christ born of a virgin, born on December 25th, star in the east, 12 disciples in re in reference to the 12 zodiacal signs on the ecliptic, um, performed miracles, died for three days and resurrected. And what a lot of people don't realize is what those stories are encoding and what those, um, th those is exactly encoding. When the sun goes on its furthest declination on the flat earth that we live on, because everybody here that's a member, you know, you know, the earth's flat. And on its most southern declination, around the 21st or 22nd, the sun um, stops moving north or south, um, away or far, uh, closer or farther away from the North Pole, and it, it acts as if it's dead. So um, essentially, that's what these people are encoding. From my opinion, that's what these these characters are encoding is the path of the sun when when they're teaching these things that they died for three days and they were resurrected. Um, if you literally Google the path of the sun and how it works with the solstices and everything, they will say that the sun acts as if it's dead for three days and it acts and it's kind of like resurrected on the third day and starts moving north from its most southern declination and th this is exactly what causes seasons which everybody should know that follows mine and Derek's work we've we've fully covered seasons and how they work on flat earth so it's really beautiful when you start figuring out how connected these religions are um and I and I wanted that's been something that I've been wanting to say publicly for a really long time and get that on the record because they have so many similarities and there's so much more than that from all of the different other archetypes too as well um would you add anything to that well just what what that whole phenomenon is is really people that have exist that have existed all over the plane of this earth over many millennia in time Coming to you know seekers and and and, and um, philosophers and theologians and masters, if you will, going into the creation itself and coming to the exact same conclusions because they're inherent, natural within the creation itself. So that's where you know when you look at the solar, you know, this sort of um, sun god, solar god myth thing that you know you're discussing here. This is all of these cultures just looking at the creation itself and extracting the natural intelligence from the creation. And then basing their stories on this. 
And then, of course, the reason that you have so many different cultures that have expressed it different ways is because every culture is unique. They have their own, you know, where they are geographically, what time period they lived in, you know, what their, you know, that sort of thing. Their cultural uh, nuances and eccentricities are going to come out through their through, through the expressions of their myths. But once again, as we talked about in the first hour, when you get past that exoterica, you get past that veil or surface la- layer, and you get to the, the meat and potatoes of the esoterica, what you're dealing with there is transcendentals, is those universals, which every single human being has access to. And so for me, when you look at Jesus Christ as a recapitulation of the story, really what it does, the power of it is that it actually connects you to all of these other cultures. It's not a thing which so many of the modern churches do as a, as a tool to divide people, but really what it is, is what it should be actually, in my opinion, as a tool to unite people and see the commonalities between um, all these different cultures, that golden thread, if you will, um, that exists within all these cultures. You know, one of the core tenets of Christianity is to love thy neighbor as thyself, right? Well, why? Why would that be? Why would that be a core tenet of Jesus's teachings, right? Well, because because he, in this sense, Christ, and that the transcendental truths that he represents are in all these cultures. Um, this gets into this notion of, you know, what we teach or the universal, I call it the universal mystery religion, that there is only one religion. There's only one God. There's only one spiritual directive and there's only one cosmology as there was only one creation and the true, um, erudite or mystical teachings behind all of these great uh, traditions are leading to that truth. And so we teach, I teach Christianity. Um, I teach the Prisca Theologia through Christianity, because it's there, you know. And this is why I was saying that Christians aren't going to like hearing this, because uh, in the religious world, we are taught to dislike other cultures, to dislike other mythological stories and uh, different truths that arouse from different parts of the world. And really, when you look at all of them collectively, they are the same story. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is this story not told in the stars above our head as well? Well, that's where that's where it gets into like where does this stuff come from? And like when we um, specifically mention like the universals or the transcendentals, we can call them. These are things within the creation itself that are incorruptible, that they're they're always there, they're available to all people. Nobody owns them, and they're available to all people. So um, that sort of thing, and they're um, they're uh, metaphysical, and those things are being number one, the canopy of stars above our head. No one can, you know, that that whole uh, that whole umbrella of stars is available to all people. It shrouds the entire creation. No one can go and change the course of the sun and make it rise in the west, nor can they go and shift the stars of Orion's belt. Those things are incorruptible and they're available to all people. Um, the other thing uh, is numbers, mathematics and geometry. Once again, you know, a squared plus B squared equals C squared is going to be the Pythagorean theorem is going to be a theorem, no matter who you are, where you were born, when you were born, what language you speak, you know? So when you go to those things, what you're realizing that you're dealing with is metaphysics, um, things that are beyond the physical, which means that they're of the divine. They're, you know, of the, in the realms of God. So all these different cultures based their stories on these things 
So in other words, if you want to go in and see, um, you know, at least as far as I'm concerned, you want to go in and, and really understand the, 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 the Norse mythos, right? Well, you got to, you know, start your foundation, your search with the stars above, literally the constellations and numbers. And you start with that foundation, you're going to start unveiling a lot of the characters and, and things like that and a lot of these myths. Um, so yeah, the reason that there uh, that you find, as you were saying, so many of these cultures basing that things on the stars is because they're incorruptible. It's like an incorruptible story in this sense, because no one can go and mess with the stars. It's always available to people. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody that's new to this idea or is like wanting to know more is finding this interesting. Again, I'm going to bring it up uh, uh, again. The Devil's Pulpit by the Reverend Robert Taylor goes deeply into this idea, as well as every single thing that Marty does on his website is kind of encompassing and teaching this in general. So I think it's I think that we're all super spoiled. Um, Really, I think that we're really spoiled to have you um, that that is looking into all this and has you know, the years ahead of us and looking into all of these religions. So uh, it's really cool that we are spoiled to where we have somebody that's already kind of putting this together in, in their own form. And again, I'm not saying that Marty is the end all be all of all of this. He's a human. We're all figuring this out too, but it, it's really cool. And the, the ideas that Marty is, is getting across um, is, is very, very interesting and worth reading. Sorry, Derek, I cut you off. What were you going to say? Oh, you're good. Uh, I was going to say that like, uh, like Freemasonry and these other hidden occult messages, they've turned us on astrology, even though the Bible literally says that the stars are there for signs and seasons and to record the times. Uh, we've been trained to think this is pagan, this is satanic, to look up and read the beautiful portrait of the night sky, which I believe is a portrait of the creator, Uh to look up and see like evil when you're trying to read this is it's it's wrong and so like everything that's good they've taken it they've hijacked your opinion of it and they've turned you on the truth because the truth is what we are all here to do is to seek the truth and so if they could turn you on the truth and make it where you do not seek it you get caught up in the material world which is feeding the beast yeah. Can we um for people that are super new to this and kind of like, oh, well, how does the Bible encode astrology? Like, what are these guys even talking about? Um, Could you give some of your favorite examples um, of the Bible encoding the sky? Yeah, let me let me say this first thing. The there's an entire, you know, that's why I was I think I was mentioning this earlier, but there's you know the the tradition that I sort of like read from and and learned from. Th this is an entire tradition is what most people don't realize. You know, so because so many of the modern churches have really bastardized the understanding of Christianity or lost the the keys to the the knowledge if you will of what scriptures really mean. Um you, you know, so they they poo-poo astrology and they poo-poo numerology and stuff like that. Well, the traditions that I follow were they, they sort of kept that alive. You know, so if people do get into this, um, just so you know, there's a lot of material on this. You know, you just mentioned the one book, The Devil's Pulpit, which is a great read, but there's I mean, there's volumes of literature on this sort of stuff. So it's not like it just so people know it's not like just coming out of left field. Um, and to your point, I'll also say this. Um, right now, it, it, humanity's in a really good place as far as this is concerned, because there are a lot of people, because of the, the availability of knowledge, because of the internet and reprinting books and people that have actually had time with this, like myself, 
we've got we've come along and distilled a whole lot of information down to something that's very palatable for for a younger generation and that's really what i tried to do in the books and so what i'm trying to do in this next book scripture in the stars is what you know to your question about what are some of the stories in the bible that can be related to astrology well what i'm doing in this new book is uh you know basically distilling a whole bunch of information down to 180 pages so if you do come and read the book you'd be like oh you know, I don't need to go and read 40 different books by some, you know, obscure esotericist. Now, I, you know, distilled a lot of that down. So that's what's so beautiful about our time and why I think there is a there is this sort of awakening uh, going on. OK, now that said, some of the stories of astrology in the Bible, they're, they're all sorts. Um, you know, a big one is like, you know, you can just start to realize that so many of the tales in the Bible are related to astrological signs. And you don't need to believe in, you know, absolutely bonkers, irrational, uh, illogical shit in order to make sense of the story. Let me give you an example. You know, one of the big ones is Jonah spends three days in the belly of a big fish, you know, a whale or whatever, right, in the story. And, you know, there's been art drawn about this and that sort of thing. Well, can a man spend three days in the belly of a whale? Well, no, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, that's not a thing. So in other, in, we, in order to believe that story, we need to either like abandon all of our rationale and common sense or realize that there's something more going on in that story and it's trying to tell a timeless tale. Well, if you look up into the canopy of the stars, you can actually pinpoint what those two constellations are. Um, uh, well, specifically, we'll just point this one out. Specifically, the whale is Cetus. It's literally this big ass whale in the sky. And uh, so, you know, and then you see Jonah actually is a reference to uh, peace, which is a reference to the dove in the, you know, the biblical tradition. Of course, the icon of the dove has always been known as a symbol of peace. And you can actually find that constellation in the dove. It's the it's called Columba, which is a constellation that's from the you know Columba is from the family Columbidae, which is the family of doves, you know um, genus of doves. So it's so you know right away in these stories that you're presented in your sort of um, fundamentalist literalist Christian church, and you're supposed to believe these as absolute fact. When you realize you can release yourself from that, like there's some historical narrative, and realize that there's stories going on in the stars. When you do that, it allows the stories to actually open up their actual spiritual meanings to be unveiled to you. If you're stuck in a false um, understanding of those stories, that your that your entire foundation and presupposition is backwards, then there's no way you're going to extract any higher wisdom or higher levels of information or the spiritual meat of that thing. Um, just to go off that, you know, Noah's Ark, the story of Noah's Ark, you have this story of Noah, this guy right before, you know, right before a flood, he built a big boat. We all know the general premise, right? Well, the the boat you can find in the canopy of the stars. It's the constellation Argo Navis, and it's literally sailing on the river of the Milky Way or the ocean of the Milky Way, it's sometimes called. And it's this, it's uh, three constellations that make up this big boat. Well, then you start saying like, who are the animals that got aboard Noah's Ark? Well, then you could just go up into the Zodiac you know, the animals of zoo, you know, the zoo animals up there and start picking out a bunch of pairs of animals. You know, it's Ursa Major, Ursa Major and Ursa Minor and, you know, uh, Canis Major and Canis Minor and, you know, Leo Major and Leo Minor and Hydra and Hydras. And, you know, you can go on and on and on. And so you realize it's like these stories have been patterned on, once again, the story, the story of the stars above, because as like Derek was saying there, that's it's like an image of God. It's like God's fingerprint or something like that you know 
And what it does is for, at least for me, brings the stories to life. They're not things that happened two grand ago, 2000 years ago that we're studying now to say, you know, it's not that it's there. The, the, the Bible comes alive in that well, sense. So uh, one of the things that I've always kind of found odd about religion is that uh, in the Bible, it says in Daniel twelve four that he's told to roll up the scroll and not try to understand it until the end time, because the information is going to be kept secret. Uh, all of this, the astrology was known uh, to humanity for a while, but it, that, that knowledge got lost. Uh, and so the whole story of Jesus comes in between the losing of that knowledge. Uh, he's in between that and the rediscovery of this knowledge. So when, when Jesus tells Daniel to roll up the scroll and to not try to understand it, because it won't be understood until the end times, uh, how do you feel about that being because the information that is needed to understand these stories in a way that it was, they were written is hidden and it's finally coming back to life. And finally, the people are taking the time and understanding the, the beautiful nature of the metaphysical worlds above our head, regardless of what they're trying to convince us these stars are, we know what they are. And uh, now that the people are starting to come together this the astrology is coming to life through the Bible and the story is being better understood. I think what, ha you know, this is one of the things that actually got me into esoterica too. Like this whole like sort of pursuit was this notion of grand cycles, cosmic cycles that basically that humanity civilizations rise and fall. There's an ebb and flow to, um, you know, uh, humanity and with the what you know what we go through down here there's grand cycles just like the the seasonal cycle and i think that cycle has a lot to do with um coming you know uh, coming into knowledge and and moving out of it or go you know um moving towards the source and then away from the source and so i think uh, a lot of the language that you actually find within the bible is alluding alluding to this where there's just the notion that there's going to be times where, you know, there is a dark age. And I think, you know, we've been in that time. We're starting to come out of it. And I feel like that's been happening the last, you know, even 20 years or whatever. But, um, you know, that the, you go you go from dark ages to golden ages. And that's just sort of what happens down here. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's the best way to answer that. It's really cool. Um, when you start looking into astrology, you like – You'll you'll realize like kings had astrologers and and things like that, and they it got to the point where the astrologers were giving the kings such useful information that they made it illegal for other people to have astrologers and things like that. So like I used to be one of those people, and I'm sure maybe Derek and you might as well have been Marty, one of those people that's like, oh, astrology, like blah 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 blah, so stupid. Like oh, I should go look for love on Wednesday. Like shut up. Like people don't understand. Um, what level of astrology or like I don't think people even understand what astrology is at the end of the day. Astrology and astronomy were completely inseparable by our ancestors, and, and it's truly so cool to look into. Like when you start looking into like Vedic astrology and Eastern astrology and, um, you know, Western astrology and comparing the differences and, and figuring out all these things, it's it's really interesting. It's been one of the main topics that I've been currently researching right now. Um, I'm reading the Zodiac and um, the Salts, the Salts and the Zodiac. I can't remember the author. Um, I've read um, The Light of Egypt by um, Thomas Burgoyne. Uh, it's so cool what astrology 
um, can do. And, and it's a perfect proof that the earth is flat too. That's why it's also my favorite thing ever. Cause these things are just re the, there's four seasons to the year, which uh, w- would not make any sense if we were actually on a ball spinning around the sun at 66,616 miles an hour. So um, just the idea of astrology, everybody I think needs to completely be more open-minded to and realize that the modern day um, people that are running this realm have hijacked the idea of astrology and, and completely made a joke out of it, similar to things like crystals and and other um, uh, other esoteric ideas that we've talked about, or maybe esoteric is the wrong wrong word, but um, uh, these other like new agey ideas that we've talked about and and tried to demonstrate as best we can that these things have a real effect on our uh, on our natural realm here so um it's really cool that we're finding out that these things were um screamed to us by all of our ancestors they were screaming to us the importance of astrology and the importance of looking into the sky and the importance that the sky is a clock um one other thing i want to jump onto here is the um because you do a lot of work around um gematria and the bible um, can you give us some of the stories that um, are kind of mind blowing and some of the numbers that keep popping up in the Bible, like seven and um, five thousand and forty? Can you give us some um, just uh, for the listeners here that are new to your work and stuff? Could you just vocally give us um, some examples of um, the Bible encoding numbers? Yeah, there's all sorts of things. Um you know, the first, I mean, I'll say this, like the one of the, oh, let's see, where do I want to start here? Like when you, even just Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That is actually giving you um, math. And most people would just read that and be like, oh, it's just, well, they created heaven and earth, blah, 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 right? So, but heaven and earth have long been understood to have geometric corollaries and those being the circle and the square. So the first line in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth in Genesis is actually telling you about one of these mystical mathematical arts called squaring the circle. So the important thing that people need to realize is that from square one, from like, you know, letter, you know, or letter, first letter, first word, first verse of that entire thing has a mathematical foundation. And they're even telling you that, you know, and so and it's once again, it's trying to get you to understand these universals. Um, the circle is universal. It's the same for everybody. Square is universal. It's got 40, 90 degree corners. It's the same for everybody. You know, what are the relationship between these two uh, geometric forms? You know, what, what do they have to say uh, naturally? This gets into that study. So, like I said, from square, you know, verse one, square one, the Bible is all about trying to get you to understand these geometric um, univer- universals, right? Um, there's loads of things in the Bible that are um, are put there to get you to ask questions about the importance of numbers. Like one of the ones that, you know, I mentioned, if you just to, uh, was a what's the, uh, revelation, revelation mentions the number seven, I think 54 times. I want to say something like that. Well, if you just did like a sort of like overview analysis of revelation, you know, not having really any idea what it's about, like most people don't. One thing you could glean from it very easily is that there's the, a repetition of numbers, and there's no question about it. Some verses have like the number seven, I think, six different times. Well, why? You know, that's got to get you to ask these questions. Why? I mean, why would they even go to you know bother to mention these so many times? It's because there's a there's a mystery within the number itself, and the Bible does this consistently throughout the text. Like it, a lot of times, it'll just throw in a number or throw in a series of numbers. 
apropos of nothing for no reason it doesn't add to the story it's you know or whatever um the the 153 fish is a, is a big one the miraculous uh the draw of fishes you find in what is it luke and i forget what the other mark maybe or something um but you know it's like all of a sudden you know hear the story jesus is you know aboard the ship and he's like hey disciples you know dudes cast your net to the right and then catch all these fish and there was specifically 153 fish well what is that like what does that mean why 153 is you know most people most christians will come to that and th- there's no mystery there at all they'll just look right past it or though they won't give a crap or that sort of thing but the reason that number is in there specifically is to get the actual initiate of the bible the person that actually wants to know what the bible is all about just to ask questions specifically like what is the number 153 when you study sacred geometry um 153 is a number you will come to almost like immediately when you get to the Vesca Pisces, because it's a number fundamental to the proportionality of this fundamental geometric, sacred geometrical form, the Vesca Pisces. And so it's literally leading you off the page and into a study of sacred geometry that you would think has nothing to do with the story of Jesus and casting his net and fishes and blah, 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 blah. But it has everything to do with it. You know, um, the the actual thing that you're measuring within that Vesca Pisces is literally the fish. So here you have a story of fish, 153. Once again, to most biblical scholars and theologians, it means absolutely nothing. But to an esoteric initiate, you know, somebody that's looking into mystic Christianity, all of a sudden, boom, now you're into a study of universals and transcendentals. And so that's what they're um, that's what they're there for. Well, like everything in the Bible, uh, you're not supposed to question it according to the religions. You're supposed to just listen to some other person's interpretation of it. And if you dare to speak out against the religion, then now you're an atheist or you're anti-Christian or whatever. And it just leads back to the fact, guys, that they're everything that triggers you, that makes you want to get mad at something you hear. You should really reflect on that and try to understand what's making you mad about this. Because a lot of these thoughts and these these feelings are implanted in your brain to control you because they know that most people just want to go with the grain and going against the grain, you know, you stand out, people notice you and uh, that's not something everybody wants to do. So I just want to encourage everybody to to question the things that you're being told, question us, question yourself and just try to understand where the things inside of you come from. Yeah, on that note, can I just say one thing? That's Mm -hmm. what I came to find with the Bible itself was that you find within most uh, modern Christian traditions that you're not supposed to question the Bible. It is the word of God, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so how dare you question it? I think the Bible is written specifically, literally every line, to make you question it. Literally to present you with as many different, um, you know, parables and riddles and this sort of thing to literally make you question what you're reading and go into it and challenge the thing to challenge it. And so this is what uh, we've, you know, most modern churches have completely lost their way with that. You know, it's like, oh, you can't challenge the Bible. No, no, you should. You know, that's where you're going to find out whether it's true or not, you know, meaning uh, whether it actually unveils these these universal truths kind of thing. So I think that's really important point. That's what led me away from Christianity is like, cause I've, I've, I've always known we're created. I've always known that the Bible's true, but I never, it never resonated with me the way religions try to push it on you. Uh, and I'm as a kid would ask questions like what's with this or how is this? And 
uh, I you actually get attacked by these people who claim to be walking in the love and the light of the creator uh, because of the the theme behind it is sit down and shut up and do not question what we tell you. Just do what we say. I think that's a huge thing for people to understand um, is, again, like I know that um, Derek keep har- keeps harping on it, but it's it's obvious once you look at this from from this lens and you you look at this from um, a- an idea that all religions are, are, you know, have truth to them and they're all encoding the same thing. It really opens up your brain and uh, and, and it really could connect us all like we all are looking at the same stories. And um, that's some that's one thing that really bothered me growing up in, in Christianity and in the Mormon religion is, you know, looking at other people's God or, you know, Krishna, Mithras, uh, these other, you know, these other mytho- mythical characters that religions believe in and saying, no, 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 I know that Jesus Christ lived and those guys didn't 100%. It always felt really weird because that's something that's very normalized in that religion is the, the saying these mantras over and over again, you know, that Jesus Christ or like, like the, the one thing they'll say constantly is that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. Um, and, and you'll say that so much that eventually it's in your head that if anybody goes against it, you you kind of want to fight them. Um, so it's that's a huge thing that people um, need to understand. But another thing that I really realized in looking into your work and listening to your sermons is just the depth, the pure depth of the encodings. Some of these these gematria encodings of the Bible and these uh, astrological, astrotheological encodings of the Bible are really hard to pick out if you're not aware of the language and you're not looking for it because uh, everybody is just skimming over these things, thinking that they're physical, you know, recordings of history and 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 it is kind of hard. I want one example that I'd love for you to kind of just tell everybody and and to display the gematria around if you can um is the five loaves and the two fishes um that fed the five thousand men can you talk around the math and the gematria around that yes so you get this story that's in i don't know mark something maybe 12 or something i forget what what chapter but you hear the classic you know the the miracle of jesus feeding the five thousand and you hear it specifically that he feeds the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fishes. And um, there's all of these extremely cryptic things within that story. But so, you know, immediately I was like, well, okay, well, five loaves, you know, this is a reference to Virgo because she's known as the house of the, she's known as the house of bread. Uh, Spica, which is like the brightest star in Virgo. Um, well, Virgo is a lot of times shown holding sheaves of wheat um, at the time of Virgo is that usually the time of harvest around that time, you know, beginning September, that kind of thing. And then Spica, the brightest star in Virgo, actually uh, refers to shaft of wheat, ear of corn, that sort of thing. So you have this, uh, all this reference to Virgo being the house of bread. So you have, you know, the five loaves there being a reference to Virgo. Right across from Virgo uh, is the two fishes is Pisces is the constellation Pisces. So you have Virgo and Pisces right there in reference and they're right across from one another. So they're like, um, uh, complementary signs, right. Or that sort of thing. So, you know, it says specifically in the myth, in the story, it says that Jesus fed about 5,000 and they, and all were filled. Right. So it says specifically about 5,000. Well, uh, once again, just knowing, you know, studying math, you know, as I, as I did, 
you know, I knew this number was, you could find about 5,000 by just multiplying the number of loaves and the fishes that he, you know, he had. So basically what you have is Jesus taking this uh, five loaves and two fishes and multiplying it and feeding 5,000, multiplying this food and, you know, feeding 5,000. And so uh, you take one times two times three times four times five times six times seven, the five loaves and the two fishes, and you get the number 5,040, which is in this sense, exactly about 5,000, you know? So what you have in the story here is that what most people understand is just, this is historic. This is a linear history. This objective record of history, this absolutely happened. Jesus took this stuff and fed it. And really what you have is a, uh, a story of math and cosmology and, you know, it gets you into just heady symbolism. And then there's also the spiritual story, you know, that's behind that message. It's like that, you know, in this sense, uh, with, you know, abundance, you know, with Christ, you will have abundance. In other words, if you have very little with Christ, you'll have a lot, you know, so deeply profound spiritual spiritual message about, you know, Christ and that sort of thing connected in the stars. You know, where do you find that multiplying one through seven? Where do you find one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? You find it right in front of you on your hands. You know, so all these things to really just, in, in, in essence, lift you out of the, the, the ink of the pages of the book and into the world that you're living. You know those stars of Pisces and you know, and Virgo. They're they're upstairs in the canopy of the, right now. You don't have to go back two thousand years and and experience this. And that's what's that's what's so powerful about those stories. Really cool. Um, one thing that I get when I'm studying the Bible a lot that really throws me through a loop, and I would love your opinion on it because I know that me and Derek have had a conversation about this, a private conversation about this. But I, I'm personally reading through the Bible for the first time because of you, because um, and because of Crow, um, because I want to understand the stories. I'm sick of listening to people talk about these stories and having no context and no general idea of what the freak you guys are talking about. So I'm reading them for myself just so I can have that relation to the stories and that personal knowledge of, you know, I've read over this, I understand these stories. And when I'm reading over this, one thing that pops up to me through the Bhagavad Gita, through um, the New Testament and the Old Testament is this idea of just straight up fear of if you don't believe in Christ and you don't believe on the son, that you won't be saved. If um, Krishna, same type of deal, like it's it's written constantly in the Bhagavad Gita where it explains if you don't believe in Krishna and you're just studying this book so that you can learn philosophy and and uh, and um you know other ideas that you're wasting your time and that you have to and you should believe in this character when me and Derek and you I think have have kind of thoroughly explained that these are allegorical encodings what is your thought process around those scriptures do you think that those were added in later to to try to make people think that these are physical historical events or what is your general just kind of feeling when you read over things like that well, the fear thing is is interesting because when you look at it in a spiritual, like, you know, you're on a spiritual quest, right? Um, that's what everybody is here to do. That's what Earth literally is for. That's the purpose of Earth, that human beings come down as we're sparks from the divine, divine sparks that come down in a temporary physical body. And we undergo this 
set of challenges. That's why evil is allowed to exist down here. You know, when it says like fear God, you know, in one sense, what it's what it's saying is like fear nothing down here except the creator, because you're the only the creator is the only one that you're ever going to have to own up to. The, the creator knows exactly what went went on in your head, all the stupid shit you did, all the regrets you had. You know, he in this sense, the creator is the only person that you should ever have to fear, which gives you a huge sense of empowerment here because it's this notion that it's like, oh, I don't have to listen to some idiot man who doesn't know what they're talking about or i don't have to be fearful of a tyrannical government because you know the, the only thing i really should fear is god you know is doing the right thing the other thing too is is that fear um is a huge component of actually overcoming adversity so you know you can't there's there's not a musician that i've never that i've met that hasn't had some incredible trepidation before going on stage you know, and even uh, many professional musicians have been doing it for years, still get butterflies in their stomach and they still have this, this sort of anxiety and fear of going on, on stage, you know, um, and there's this notion of it's there to overcome literally specifically just no different than the masons when they um hide their things or they they, they you know they they say oh we we're, we do this in secret it's purposefully there for you to have this um challenge and overcome this obstacle so um there there's that aspect of it you know um but yeah uh i so to me it can be a very empowering thing i think you know so, yeah, that's very interesting because when I'm reading over it, it, it just throws me off. But sorry, Derek, you're okay. good. Uh, so, yeah, like uh, it's another one of those things where we're misinterpreting it as a people because mm-hmm. of the way the religions present it, because of the way these stories were written. And then the way they're presented creates this fear for an all loving God who is unconditionally loving and truly cares about everybody. Uh, I remember the first time I realized that I was teaching my kid a lie and teaching him about a false truth that the world was teaching. I hit my knees and cried. I bawled because what I realized I was doing was traumatizing my child and teaching him that the most loving essence in all of existence has this desire to be feared and worshipped. And you got to do exactly what it expects you to do or you're going to be punished and i just remember the sense of relief the sense of despair when i did come to this realization that you know we're we're all loved eternally and like the things like you said earlier evil's allowed to exist down here because of the purpose of growth like we're we're down here to learn and you can't have dark without light and so the people who are doing bad they're on a different path but nevertheless, their their destination's the same place. Their path is necessary for you to have your path. If they weren't here messing up the world or creating situations in which you could fix, you would have nothing to fix. You would have nothing to stand up for. You'd have nothing to fight against. Uh, and in the end, this is what makes your soul grow is by standing up against the, the darkness of this world and fearing nothing except for you know, the, the one who created you. You want to do right by that. And I just think that religion has completely obscured this and made it where people are fearful and like they actually really do. People really do believe that you could be the best person ever, but if you don't believe in Jesus, then you're going to hell. And to me, that just never sits right. And one thing I ask every Christian who's ever said this to me, and I've never gotten a good response ever, is would you send your worst enemy to hell to burn in a fire forever and ever and be tormented forever and ever and ever? I've never had one person 
not one, say that they would do that to their worst enemy. But yet those same people believe that the creator who made them purely out of love would do that to them simply because they were not, they, they did not believe in a story that was told in a world full of lies. You can't trust anything except for the uncorruptible truths, as Marty was saying. So for a book to be the guiding factor on uh, what you believe your afterlife's going to be, and then to believe that it's not something that could have been corrupted, that's that to me, it's just weird. And if you wouldn't send your worst enemy to burn in fire forever, what makes you think God would do that? Do you think you have a greater capacity for love than God? Or maybe do you think that the story you've been told about who our God is was perverted by the one that wants you to think like that? 100%. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I'm going to – I want to take the um, the conversation in a different direction just real – just shortly because I'm very interested. I've never heard you talk on this, Marty, so this I think this is a cool question. Um, do you think we're reincarnating? Very, very much so. Yeah. I mean, I just don't even think you can possibly understand. Well, number one, the Bible, like that's, that's the funny thing. Cause most Christians don't think that reincarnation is in the Bible because it doesn't come out and say it like explicitly, you know, but there's so much that the Bible doesn't say explicitly. So, um, but yeah, I don't even think you can understand. I don't think you can understand the, your own soul without understanding reincarnation, you know, because as you say, like, it, are we really supposed to believe that you get one shot at this and that's it? That doesn't account for the child that gets, you know, uh, murdered in the womb or the, you know, the baby that's being dro- driven home after the hospital, just giving birth. And then there's a car accident and that baby's dad. It doesn't account for, you know what I mean? All of these things. And if you put the uh, reincarnation in there, all of a sudden you have a soul's journey over many different lifetimes. And all of this stuff sort of makes sense. And, you know, once you look at cross, you know, different religions across the world, you find I actually did a whole thing on this, several live streams on this about the prevalence of the, the notion of reincarnation. I mean, it's, you know, all all over. So where do you uh, very study reincarnation so. when you do? Like, would you have where books do I, you would uh, specifically uh, recommend or do you have a, a oh. content creator? Like what would because I'm I'm really wanting to dive more into it and I would love credible sources. And I think that obviously you'd be a good person to ask. I think it's just something that you can extract once again as one of these things naturally from the creation itself, just through logic and reason itself. Um, you know, you have to, like I said, some of those things you just have to account for. You also have to understand that, you know, energy doesn't die, right? We know this, it's a, you know, thermodynamic law. So it's like, it only transfers. So it goes from one place to somewhere else. So, um, you know, so that's, uh, you know, when, especially you get into all these other things that come along with, um, making sense of this world, when you place reincarnation there, like you see these like child prodigies that come out and they're four years old and they could just crush it on piano, you know, there's just these masters with with zero training well where the hell does that come from you know what about instincts itself why should anybody have any sort of inherent instincts well maybe it's because you've already you know experienced that in several other lifetimes or many different lifetimes you know um yeah i i just i think uh reincarnation is actually i don't think you can understand religion at all unless you understand reincarnation 
when I look I really into don't. the Eastern religions, their idea of reincarnation is so cool. Like where they think like they, they believe that like Buddha was, was so smart to the point where he could see his reincarnation back to his first incarnation. And, and that's how, you know, you know that you're spiritually adept and things like that. These ideas are so, so, so interesting to me. Um, And I know that specifically for anybody that is looking for a really good video that, that really blew my mind. Uh, and opened up my and, and my thought process to reincarnation because I was completely closed off to. It. I was like, "Oh, that's just some some Vedic, some Eastern stupid ideology, whatever," you know. And and the first video that I ever saw that really was like, "What the? There is something to this." Um, is a video by Eric Dubay on reincarnation. If you're really interested, guys, you can go to Eric Dubay's channel and um, search reincarnation, Eric Dubay, and then that's the only video that I know of that would blow um, your mind. That that is a good starter to look into this but um i will definitely be trying to find more literature and, and more sermons so um if you can send me them after this that would be awesome uh, marty i'd love to listen to your sermons and your your um stuff on um reincarnation because it's such a cool um idea and when you see that like children are being born and going to random houses and like they're able to tell like the woman the the, the mom that lives there like things that only their ex their their dead husband would know and they find out that they were like married in a past life and they can tell you where things are in your house little hiding places that nobody should know like these things are happening and they're happening in children and uh, and what's really sad is i think it would be happening way more if we didn't have things like aluminum in the air and we didn't have things like fluoride and the toothpaste and uh, all these things calcifying and and lowering the iq and the spiritual adeptness of children um so it's really cool to to look into that and that's definitely a, I'm, I'm glad that i brought that up and i just kind of like that just popped into my brain but it's it's one of the you know when you think about this like in a christian uh perspective it's like the, you know they say you know, love thy enemy and love thy brother and love the neighbor as thyself and you know that's sort the of thing right well when you p- place reincarnation in there you you get a bigger sense of what that means because you think about like um you know whatever like your you know let's say your um you know, a family and your child died, you know, and a child died 20 years ago at the age of two. Well, that child is probably, you know, uh, according to reincarnation, that soul is probably in another body and here back on earth now. So your child that's dead is in, you know, his soul is in another body. And you may have even met that person and you would have no idea. You know what I mean? And so it's, or, you know, that sort of thing, or you could have past relatives like uh, my grandpa. Okay. He didn't make it to sainthood. He didn't get enlightened, illuminated. He's not heading over, you know, to cross the gates of, you know, into the gates of heaven or whatever. So he's, he's reconstituted into the material biological realm down here, which means, you know, my grandpa died how many years ago? I, I, you know, he could be in another body of somebody that I actually met and have spoken to kind of thing. And you look at that in a mystical sense and it's like, whoa. That gets really, you know, uh, I don't know. To me, it just uh, sparks a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things in my mind when I, I think about stuff like that. Because it's, you know, that to me is the is the kind of creation that that God would make to make it just so, you know, potent that way. You know what I mean? It's really crazy when you look into this and you see the stories. 
they are undeniable and it's like a whole nother chapter opens and this it's just like realizing that the earth is flat you know it's all of these ideas are so beautiful and, and it, I, I, this is definitely going to be my favorite episode that we've ever recorded but sorry to cut you off Derek I was just excited oh you're good yeah uh, that's one of the big things that always bothered me too is people want you to believe this is your one and only chance and uh to put a one chance on life is to limit God. If if you believe that reincarnation is not possible, then you're believing that God is limited and that this is not something that could happen. But if you think about what makes you, you, it's all of the experiences you do. And so you could be born into a situation that did not uh, account for your, your spiritual growth. You were abused as a child. You, you didn't do this or that. And uh, as you're developing, these things become part of your character, and a lot of it is it's not exactly something you could help. Sure, you could try to do the self-work, but if you never even hear about the works, the self-work that's necessary, then again, you're not going to find it. And so this kind of goes back to what I was saying as far as uh, bad does have to exist and that everybody's on their same, on the going to the same destination, but their paths are slightly different because our lives are slightly different. And sometimes you get led this way. Other times you get led that way. Whatever direction you were going, it's the exact direction you needed to be for you to learn or for you to present a lesson for somebody else to learn. And I just, I really think that to limit God in the way of saying that this is your one and only chance. And if you don't find the truth in this life, then you're damned to hell forever. I think this is one of the most, uh, like the crucial things that we teach our kids it it actually causes trauma it's like a trauma-based mind control and uh people actually leave religions with traumatizations from the religion and so i just want you all to know how beautiful you are and that's this world is it's it's not what we've been taught i do want to ask you something though uh, what do you think the second coming of christ would be so if you believe like that the story of christ is a story of the stars and an independent journey that we all go through and the story of the golden age to the lower ages what would be the second coming would that be when humanity finds the golden age the truth and uh we actually write raise humanity up here on earth or how would you see that the second coming of christ happens within you like when christ returns it's a it's the a spiritual realization that happens within the self um, this is actually, you know, so, um, and it's an, an internal thing, you know what I mean? This is essentially the, a, a person becoming awake or an enlightened is when Christ, uh, you know, you find out Christ resides within you and you have that experience. So, and this is actually what's happening to, um, St. John and Revelation. Most people think that Revelation is about like the end of the world and this sort of thing. And it's not, it's actually about Christ. It's actually about John having the revelation of, and this is the, literally the first line. It's literally the revelation of St. You know, of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you know, St. John had, which was signified to him by God, you know, and this is what the second coming is. So people, you know, think that this means that Jesus Christ is going to come back, you know, in fly, on a flying horse and then the earth is going to be done and, everybody goes to heaven and then the people don't that kind of thing and so, you know that whole uh, understanding is just complete nonsense you know so um the whole the, the whole point of the new testament is actually about this very thing is about uh helping you to um have that uh christly experience to have the to to recognize the christ within you 
really liked about your two's exchange right there is I like um, how you're seeing it, um, but I also like how Derek's uh, Derek's seeing it as well. I think it could be interpreted both ways, and I think that's the beautiful thing about all of us coming together and looking at these books and trying to figure them out. Um, I, I just thought that that was cool because I, I could kind of see it in, in both ways being allegorically, you know, suggested. Um, and and um, but yeah, sorry, I just I just wanted to say that I thought that was cool that I saw this. Oh, sorry. In reference to that, though, like when you have enough people and this really where like at least essentially as we understand where a renaissance or a rebirth or a golden age comes from is when you have enough of those people that actually do recognize the Christ within and have that awakening that apocalypse that revelation and you have enough of those people that's when you actually see a change in society you know and that's i think that's what we know is going on right now society's drifted so far away from god and away from source and now we're starting to come back to it and as we do more of the will of god we're going to see more of that light shine in humanity so that's all a good thing you know yeah i think it would be ignorant to deny that there's something going on with with human consciousness and i i'm so excited to get this episode uploaded because i think that this two hours in and of itself can answer a lot of questions for a lot of people around um the 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 stories and the mythological you know encodings that have been offered to us that you know are so difficult to understand i think that this will start a lot of people on the path of of figuring that out like i'm currently on as well and, and it will motivate people to try to read these books and 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 understand them in a spiritual way which will only raise spirituality amongst all of the population which can only be good as far as everybody here should fully understand the hundredth monkey effect and and these different ideas where if everybody were on a higher vibration we would have a better place to live we'd be the we would the the light can be so bright that it will smother the darkness the the the, the people that are running this realm can easily be smothered out if everybody just realizes how they're doing it and how they're casting these spells and um what's going on here i really think that um it, we could change this place and, and we could all come together and start learning how to live amongst each other and start you know realizing what are we doing with our brain cycles every day how are we spending our brain cycles everybody has a limited amount of brain cycles here meaning just what you're spending your time thinking about whether you're spending six hours scrolling on tiktok or spending six hours reading marty's book there's a difference and they they're trying to take your brain cycles and completely waste them to the point where you're not thinking about any of this they don't want you thinking spiritually they don't want you trying to connect all of the religions and and have a spiritual connection to god they want you sitting at your video games spending 10 hours leveling up to a level 150 and getting all of your call of duty guns gold and um, they want you in, in taking pornography and in ruining the family um the, the family structure that you have and and distancing yourself from everybody so that we're all sitting alone in our rooms not talking and and, and um uh, uh, talking amongst each other and hanging out and and it is crazy when you look at the depth of change that has happened over the last couple hundred years where our ancestors were learning multiple languages they were learning multiple musical instruments and then you look now and you look at what is happening amongst the children that are coming out of public schools it's a complete atrocity it's it's so sad and i had a similar story to derek where 
you kind of when you realize this all when you realize the earth is flat when you realize that religion is a scam and that they they're all tax you know they're all literally tax exempt and they're all part of the government they're all agreeing that the earth is a ball all all their books say that the earth is flat once you like really get it all you will come to that thought process where you'll realize that there is just armies of children going into public schools and and in just being trained to have the same ideology and the same type of thought process to not question their reality and just take what is given to them from authority and, and just and take it as fact and and reality so i think that this is this will definitely be um probably my favorite episode to date um i'm really excited to get this uploaded marty you're definitely gonna have to come back on um one thing I really want to get across seriously to my our audience is if uh, I will be I will be devastated if Marty doesn't shoot me a text and say that tons of people are coming over and and and, try, and helping him financially and and supporting his work and buying his books. This is some of the most. Uh, this is second uh, or first to the flat Earth information that we have to get people thinking in this type of mind frame where we're trying to relate these stories to um, the, the numbers and try to figure out what the numbers mean mathematically and figure out how these stories relate to the stars and why and what is the importance of all of this. And we have to try to ground ourselves to um, figure out, well, you know, what is spirituality and, 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 you know, how should we go about this and um, how do we all come in and and agree that we're all, um, you know, uh, we at the end of the day uh, with the Prisca theology that um, Marty teaches, we all are on the same page. These are all the same stories. Um, but Derek, um, do you have any more questions before we wrap up this episode? I just wanted to ask Marty, uh, what would be the advice that you would give to a Christian on how to intake what we're saying and how to digest it in a way that's not offensive to them? Uh, like, could you just give a last little brief breakdown on what you believe, how the Bible says Jesus saves and what Jesus is, what it is that you believe? Um, well, I guess I'll just say this. The approach that I take to the Bible is really almost like, in many respects, antithetical to the approach that, as you guys know, that the approach that most uh, churches that, you know, like pretty much the story that you've been told and, and things like that, that everything you associate with Christianity is in, in this essence, just like the globe. It's like the exact opposite. You know, everything we've been talking about today is like, oh, well, reincarnation, that's got nothing to do with the Bible. No, it absolutely does. You can't even understand why John and Elias are linked unless you realize that they're the same person in a different body. You know, astrology told by the modern churches, astrology is nonsense, you know, well, the, the entire Bible, at least of the, the main stories of, you know, especially the, those of the, you know, of um, Isaiah and Genesis and the, 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 the books of the apostles and stuff. Those are all astrological. There's no question, you know, um, numerology, those sorts of things. You all hear about that, you know, Kabbalah, and that sort of things, all devil worship and blah, 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 blah. And you find it's the exact opposite. So you know, you really went for the Christian. It's like, okay, well, you've been taught this one thing about, about Christ. Well, what if it turns out it's the exact opposite? What if Christ isn't dead? What if Christ isn't dead at all? That Christ is alive and with us right now and present with us right now, you know, and you actually understand that maybe your entire reading of the Bible will, uh, will change and will open up, you know, um, so, you know, just just so you know that when it when it comes to what we teach at the church, you know, it's you know, we have a huge focus on Christ. That's why I wrote the book, you know, Lord Jesus Christ. 
And in that, we talk about how important it is to truly understand what Christ is, and that's your true self. That's um, the, the, the being that's actually at the core within you, that you have all of these lies and distortions and half-truths and self-esteem issues and depressions and all this bullshit that you have that gets, you know, sort of, uh, ba- you know, bagged onto your, you know, this baggage onto your life and stuff like that, that prevents you from finding that, um, that purity. And that's, that's within you. And this is the great alchemical quest. And so it's really comes down to this point of finding Christ within. And once you understand that and you go back into scripture, it, it'll start opening up a lot more because, you know, you've been taught this, this false story for the, for the longest time to put it, to put it succinctly. Yeah. Reading over the new Testament for myself for the first time, like it's, it's said over and over, love thy neighbor, you know, love. It's, it's basically just per, told to everybody love everybody around you and it, 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 it's very cool it's it's super cool that you've got me into this frame where i'm even reading this book like a, a year or two ago i would have said the bible is just some stupid book that these stupid old people wrote to scare everybody into thinking the hell is real and the 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 360 180 that i've done is truly crazy and i i hope that uh this will you know be of help to anybody that's listening and, and is questioning or is on the fence of you know should i be spiritual is there a god blah 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 i think that this will truly help a lot of people and and pointing people towards your work and towards you in general i is one of my favorite things i've ever done um so again guys um we are going to wrap up this episode thank you guys for being members everybody that is supporting us um thank you guys i ask you guys seriously go check out marty's work go to his website we have his website already hooked up in our affiliate links um the moment i found out about marty's website i literally texted it over to our developer and had it added um i think it's the sixth or fifth one down but um you guys can go to his website there all of his books are available there i would personally i've read the um gematria book pi and the english alphabet and the other um books that he has written i've i have on order and i've I've literally bought in everything that you offer, Marty, and I've also joined your church. I hope people go and join um, for a monthly subscription and support you and and help support financially the work that you're doing. Again, this is some of the most important stuff I think that could ever be done. But other than that, um, unless Derek has something else, we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. Um, we're definitely going to have Marty back on, and I'm excited to see what you guys think as members in the comment section. Um, do you have anything else, Derek, or do you want to wrap up here? I just wanted to say thank you to you, Marty, for all of the hard work and all of your time that you've put into developing uh, a way for people to understand the truth of our world and the truth of ourselves, because being lost in a world and not knowing who you are is very unsettling. And to have a place to go look and to reflect and to hear things that will resonate with your true self, uh, that's vital. And I just I can't thank you enough. And thank you to all of you who've subscribed Uh, We wouldn't be here without you. And we just, we just hope you guys know how much we appreciate you. Awesome guys. That is going to do it for this episode. Again, thank you everybody for listening. I hope you have a great day and um, have a good one.